Assalamu alaikum everyone. My name is Adina Lekovic and I'm really proud to be with you tonight. Um, I want to start off the top at the top and say that I'm a little bit more nervous than usual to not be able to see your faces. But I'm proud to be with you and to be here at the Islamic Center of Southern California um, with Sheikh Asim and um, Brother Monim. Uh, and it's just the three of us here tonight. And uh, we are filling the masjid with all of your light. And we thank you for spending time with us to be part of a very different kind of spiritual night. Um, and this is a very different experience for most of us, uh, especially me. Um, we just heard the verses of that talk about the night journey that come from the Quran. And tonight we are going to let ourselves sink into these verses a bit. We're also going to examine the story of the night journey, what is called the Isra wa Miraj in uh, Arabic. And uh, hopefully this will be a place and a time when we can just be spiritual seekers sitting together or standing together or cooking together or anything else that you might be doing while you're with us right now. Um, thank you for taking the time to be part of this tonight. I'm going to say that over and over again because we're, we're still counting on you to be a part of this community and I know it makes all of you feel a little better to see other people on with you and to feel that you are part of a virtual community. I can't see any of your comments so you're welcome to put them in there and questions might be shared uh, to me um, over the course of this time but my plan is to speak with you for probably about 30 minutes um, and we'll see how I do with, uh, with time. Um, my intention in bringing us together tonight around these verses and around this story uh, is that not only is this the time that we mark this in the Islamic calendar, but we also have a special opportunity to gather as spiritual seekers to examine this incredible story of the person who God chose to receive the message of the Quran. And as we warm up for Ramadan, um, this is a really incredibly precious time for us to sink deeper into the life of Prophet Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, may peace uh, be upon him and his family. And it gives us the opportunity to get to know him. And that is what I am hoping that we might be able to, to do together tonight a little bit. Um, may we come to know him more deeply. May we be inspired to action by his words and his actions. And may we infuse our weary souls. I don't know about you, my soul is a little bit weary, but still, uh, still resilient. Uh, may we infuse our weary souls with faith and enthusiasm to face the challenges that we find ourselves in right now. Um, while we're talking about Isra wa Miraj tonight, um, this is a journey that uh, hopefully cl hits closer to home for us than we might think. Um, it is a night journey, and of course we are sitting here at night, um, and so it's a good starting point for us to have a, a, a common starting point. Um, thank you to the Islamic Center for inviting me to share my reflections, and um, especially if you're out there with your house full of energetic kids, my heart goes out to you. I left uh, my energetic uh, kids at home with my wonderful husband, um, and uh, I hope that you can also continue to stay with us. So, our topic tonight. The Miraculous Journey of Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him. I want us to reflect on his journey in light of our journey of the night that's kind of currently going on within ourselves. We're in a journey of the night, um, this dark unknown place, and in many ways that is what Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him, experienced. Um, it was a night journey that was full of light and it was also full of darkness, and this is part of the duality, um, the both and approach that happened throughout his life. 
This requires patience, introspection, and an extremely open heart. Any kind of sacred journey, any kind of spiritual seeking requires these three things. And it definitely required those three things of Prophet Muhammad um, on the occasion that this took place. So I've been thinking a lot about, a lot about Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him, a lot more than usual lately. Um, and that's because I started teaching a class here at the Islamic Center right at the beginning of this month on Sundays. Um, it was a class about the life of Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him. Um, and I have been reading four books to, to prepare for teaching the class. And I had just been preparing this section um, when I suspended the class last week when the quarantine began with the hope that we could begin again after Ramadan. And um, for those of you who may have been with me for those first two classes, I have good news to share at the end. So that's my teaser for the end of this tonight. Um, but because of all that reading, I have been thinking a lot more about this part of the story and how it represents in many ways a turning point. I have been treating myself like a student of the Sira. Um, I'm, I'm a student of Dr. Maher Hatut. Uh, may God bless his soul. Uh, he was one of the leaders of this mosque, and he always called himself a proud student of the Quran. And so I am calling myself proudly a student of the Sirah of uh, the life of Muhammad, peace be upon him. Um, and Dr. Maher always used to ask when we would read the Quran, what is it saying to you? And so tonight I ask you, as, as I share this story and share my own reflections, what is it saying to you? And I hope that that's part of what you can share in the comments um, and, um, and that you can reflect on uh, tomorrow and uh, in the days to come. This part of Muhammad's story is, I think, equally parts tragic and soaring. And that's part of what I want to share with you. Because I think that that's in many ways just like the condition that many of us find ourselves in right now. A little bit tragic and possibly a little bit soaring too. There is great beauty coming out of great hardship already. And um, in many ways, that, uh, that's what leads us to the moment where, uh, where Muhammad had this miraculous journey. And so I want to share with you tonight three ideas that I take from this story. And the first, um, they all have to do with timing in many ways, just like we're living through right now. But the first is um, an idea that I learned at least a decade ago, which is that um, a breakdown often takes place right before a breakthrough. It doesn't always precede it. It doesn't always cause the breakthrough, but a breakdown often comes right before a breakthrough. Some might call this the, the dark, you know, the, that it's darkest right before dawn. You've heard that metaphor, I'm sure. Well, in many ways, that's what happened with the night journey. The night journey happened in the 11th year of the Quranic revelation. So Prophet Muhammad received the first revelation from Angel uh, Jibreel when he was 40. Um, he is now 51 when, uh, when the night journey takes place. But let's just retrace what the last 11 years have been like. He, after, uh, well, of his life, after being raised an orphan, becoming a tradesman, marrying Khadija, Radhi building a family, and developing an unshakable reputation as Alamin or the trustworthy, his life was turned upside down when he was visited by Jibreel with the first verses of the Quran. And when he wasn't sure of himself, he was steadied by his wife, Khadija and his sort of second father and uncle, technically, Abu Talib. And 
so for the first decade of Islam, while he had their protection and their support, he and the early Muslims were persecuted and mocked mercilessly and in, in an increasingly ugly fashion that included things um, from uh, for a few years. There was a ban put on even interacting with them or feeding feeding the Muslims or doing any business with them. And that had them nearly starving. But they persevered and they received helps uh, finally from the support of non-Muslims who um, uh, convinced the, the Quraysh elders to uh, to break the ban. Um, and throughout this decade, while the Muslims were being so heavily persecuted um, and, again, mocked, um, they stayed patient and they persevered and they also planned. Um, all of these were happening at the same time. They were planning for a new opportunity. At the 10th year, the year right before that the night journey took place, is called the year of sadness. And it, that name is given because Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him, lost two of his dearest loves and protectors, his wife Khadija and his second father slash uncle Abu Talib, who I just mentioned earlier. They died within months of each other, which left him without his internal support, who was Khadija, who was the first to cloak him and reassure him um, and help him confirm that he was uh, a prophet of God and essentially financed him and supported him um, for a decade uh, after he was a prophet. Um, and his uncle, who, again, provided him so much support externally and remained a non-Muslim and continued to support him and believe in him as a trustworthy person. These were his two unshakable allies, and he lost them both in the in the tenth year after this steady persecution. So just imagine at this point where Prophet Muhammad is personally, and where the Muslims, um, the early Muslims, are at this stage. They must have been feeling so confused, so isolated, so overwhelmed, and possibly they might have been starting to find feelings of despair. Um, I hope they weren't giving up, but perhaps there were some who were giving up, and they were tested. And so, too, was uh, Rasulullah, the prophet of, of God, Muhammad, peace be upon him. He was tested to his core, but his faith remained steady. He had survived more than a decade of persecution and ridicule, and he had lost those who had always had his back, but he still knew that he had a mission and a faith that connected to God and a service to the people that were uh, the believers, to the Muslims, and he used that to continue to fuel his mission and to stay focused despite his what must have been immense grief. Um, and, and, uh, and it's incredible that he was then able to keep staying on this path of planning because while they were continuing to get persecuted, Muhammad and the and Abu Bakr and the other uh, early followers of Islam um, themselves were feeling discouraged and looking for other opportunities. And by this time, Muhammad went to Taif, this uh, this city or town uh, outside of Mecca, with his adopted son Zaid, where he was uh, trying to preach the message and to bring people to Islam. But instead, they were once again ridiculed and to the point where they were literally run out of town by um, a mob of the people from that uh, place who were throwing rocks at them. And this moment in represents I, what I picture to be the, the dark night of the soul, um, to, and maybe the darkest before the dawn, too. Um, he, uh, Muhammad st and Zaid stopped to rest um, on the way back to Mecca and to find a new protector. Muhammad was luckily and blessedly able to find a new protector who was another non-Muslim, um, the same non-Muslim who had um, uh, helped 
convince the Quraysh to break the ban against the Muslims. Um, and with this person, this man's support, he and Zaid were able to go back to Mecca and try to figure out how to, um, to move forward from there. Um, he was shown kindness by a Christian, and he made it back to Mecca from the support of another non-Muslim. These are pivotal uh, plot points because Muhammad is literally at his lowest point, and who is showing him um, some degree of support? It is nearly no one. He is going everywhere he can to find opportunities, to find grace, to find mercy from people, um, and to find an open heart, but he is not finding it anywhere he goes. But he does find just these few people who make all the difference. And I think that that is a key takeaway, is in his lowest moment, lesson number one is that the, the, the breakdown can precede the breakthrough, and that in that lowest moment, he saw the generosity and, and appreciated the generosity of those who supported him when he really had the least to offer them and was most at their mercy. And that was an incredible point in his life because timing is everything, just like the moment we're in now. So that's, that's lesson number one, is uh, that piece that leads up to the night journey. Then we get to the night journey itself, and this is where the, the second idea is that I want to share. Um, the story of Muhammad's night journey is documented in the Quran as perhaps his greatest or maybe his only miracle. It depends on which interpretation you, uh, which interpretation you lean, lean towards. Um, but whatever you believe, it served as a turning point for Muhammad and the early Muslims. Um, at perhaps, perhaps his lowest point, Allah took him on a miraculous journey one night to lift him out of despair and to show him the bigger picture, to reconfirm his faith, and to set him refocused back into the world, ready for the next chapter of his journey. Sound a little bit maybe like we're what we're going through? I don't know. It, uh, it, it makes me think. Um, so how did this actually take place? I'm going to retrace the story for a moment. Um, the Prophet, peace be upon him, was sleeping by the Kaaba in the Hijr, as it's called, um, and uh, one night um, when he was greeted by Angel Jibreel, the same Angel Jibreel who had delivered him the first verses of the Quran and presumably who continued to, um, to be a, a messenger to him from Allah. And Jibreel invites him to, um, to get on this winged beast, which we know from the Sira books was named Barak. Um, and then he is, um, we are told that he is carried to Jerusalem, where he meets the other prophets, many of the other prophets, and he leads them in prayer. And in the Quran, God tells us uh, in, uh, in, in chapter 17, verse 1, glory be to the one who to his servant, I'm sorry, glory be to the one who to his servant on a night, on a night, who took his servant, sorry, let me start over so I can do it correctly. Glory be to the one who took his servant on a journey by night from the sacred place of prostration to the faraway place of prostration to an area that we've specially blessed so he could show him some of our signs. So in this verse, Allah lays out what he did and why he did it. He took him from one sacred place of prostration to another sacred, sacred place of prostration so he could show him some of his signs. So in many ways, to reaffirm his faith and to, again, to show him the bigger picture and to fill him up. Um, and so after Muhammad, peace be upon him, leads the congregational prayer, um, he, we are told he ascends through the seven heavens. And through this beautiful journey is, uh, is captured in, um, in the surah, in the verses that Sheikh Asim uh, recited from Surah Al-Najm, where 
um, this transcendent moment when he meets Allah is described this way. The low tree was shrouded in a shimmering light, but his sight never swerved, nor did it fail, for he really saw the greatest sign of his Lord. In this moment, we know that Muhammad has experienced Allah in some way. He has seen, he saw the greatest sign of his Lord. Now, whether you were a Muslim who believes that the, the night journey happened literally as a journey um, that, you know, that took place uh, in one night and the ascension took place or whether and w that he saw God or whether you believe that this was a vision, an experience, a dream, uh, something that is metaphysical, a way that he connected to Allah that we certainly that we can't understand. All of that allows for us to see the shimmering light, to see that Muhammad, peace be upon him, never swerved, that he stayed true because he saw the greatest sign of his Lord, and that kept him focused. May we be so focused. That's what I think when I, when I read that verse. So it is there when, um, when he is with Allah, uh, or when he, when he saw the greatest sign of his Lord, um, that we are taught that he was instructed to teach us Muslims to pray 50 times a day. So this is where the formality of prayer of the five times daily prayer was, uh, was formulated, was during the night journey. And it started at the highest level or the higher level of 50 prayers a day. And Muhammad received this and, um, and there was a negotiate as he came back, uh, we are taught, he had a negotiator, Muhammad, or I'm sorry, Prophet Musa um, interceded and encouraged him to, to go back and ask Allah to, uh, to offer less prayers or to require more prayers. And so he went back and forth uh, over and over until we got to the number of five daily prayers. Um, thank you, Allah, for your mercy and your kindness. And thank you, Muhammad, for being willing to ask. Um, uh, now... As Muhammad is having this experience, we could look at it as a negotiation, but what we should remember is that he is seeing, again, the bigger picture. Why would he accept 50 prayers a day? Because in the magnificence of the presence of Allah, or ex experiencing the signs of Allah, um, of course, you know, we, uh, and, and we, uh, our worship of Allah should be continuous. So um, it, would make, uh, it would make sense in that way. Um, this, this miraculous journey that, uh, that he had um, was true in the truest sense. And in the truest sense that Allah brought, brought Muhammad closer to him, peace be upon him, to affirm him and to empower him for the journey ahead. And it's an incredible thing that, uh, that this happened in, in that moment when he perhaps may have needed it most. Um, another lesson that we take from, from the story, of, especially of the ascension, is that pluralism is God's will, once again. Um, Muhammad's meeting with the other prophets and discussions and uh, sort of affirmations of the previous messages um, is just more affirmation of, uh, of what the Quran um, that had been revealed to that point was already teaching. But this also... If you look at it, it also sets up the fact that just the, just two years later, um, Muhammad will lead the migration to Medina, where he will then lead a multi-faith, pluralistic community that, in some ways, mirrors or you know reflects. Uh, let's say it reflects the um, what he saw in his ascension, which is um, that this. Uh, 
that yeah that, that, uh, that, that faith is faith in, in, in a core sense um, so that's so yeah so lesson number two is that it that this was a turning point that not only is it the place where Muhammad was affirmed and empowered he also got to interact with the other prophets his his brothers in in many ways um, and he uh, and he again pivoted after this point to move into an even more serious planning mode and that's what takes us to the third idea third and final idea I want to share tonight which is <coughs> excuse me okay the third and final idea and, and hopefully most relevant for us which is know who you are and stand true to yourself Know who you are and stand true to yourself because that's exactly what Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him, did the next day when he um, returned or um, uh, awoke or however you might interpret it um, from this experience. And so the next morning, instead of staying quiet and keeping it to himself, um, he uh, told a woman named Um Hani, who is um, uh, one of the early Muslims, about his night journey. And he insisted, uh, the Syro books tell us, he insisted on sharing his experience with the Quraysh. He, it was so profound, so moving, such a turning point uh, that uh, it was not something he could keep to himself. And this woman predicted that the Quraysh will laugh at him um, because that's all they've been doing up until this point, even though they've been um, also mocking Muhammad and uh, Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him, for not producing miracles. And this could be viewed in their eyes, would be viewed possibly as a miracle. Um, uh, she, yeah, she predicts they're going to laugh at him once again, and she is right. Um, so, and, and yeah, not only are the Quraysh uh, uh, mocking him further at this point, but sadly, so too are some of the early Muslims who are not sure what to believe or, and, or we're taught or we're told that they are left doubting in some way as well. But um, Abu Bakr, who is uh, the closest companion to Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him, when he is asked about it, he says, if, if so he says, then it is true. He tells me he receives revelation from God, and I believe that too. Prophet, uh, yeah, and, and so, yeah, so he said, I believe that too. And so this idea that, like, yeah, I, I believe that he receives revelation from God, so of course I also believe this, that this is part of... The, yeah, the believing system. And still, at the fun foundationally, if you still believe that the Prophet, peace be upon him, is al-Amin, the trustworthy, then, um, of course, you will believe him on face value. But not everyone did. And again, he could have recanted. He could have pulled back um, and stayed quiet, but he didn't. He was clear about who he was, what he had experienced, and his faith in God. He never shied away from it, especially in this delicate moment. Because he felt empowered by his experience and his encounter, um, it was everything to him. And he uh, it just emboldened him further instead of um, causing him to... Uh, to withdraw. Um, and so this proved to be the foundation on which he began planning for the hijrah. And uh, the, the, as I mentioned, the night journey exposed him to pluralism as God's will. Um, and, uh, and again, the fact that he would then, over the course of the next two years leading up to the hijrah, begin to plan and coordinate with uh, non-Muslims from, uh, from Yathrib, which is the, the city that would become Medina, um, and that this would be part of the planning process and they would 
can, again, that the, the, it was all so methodical. Um, he never compromised his truth, and yet he always worked with people of different backgrounds to accomplish his goals while he was truthful about what he was. And as long as they accepted that truth, he was able to work with them. It's really, uh, it's a, it's a yet another incredible lesson to learn from Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him. Um, so bottom line, when you know the truth, don't swerve. Um, get creative. And that's, uh, that's in some way that I am saying in some ways a lot because there's so many connection points in the story of Muhammad, peace be upon him. So those are my three ideas. Let me recap. Number one, Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him, was in his lowest state when his maybe most elevated experience took place. So maybe when you are, might find yourself in a place where you are feeling like you're in your lowest state, um, I hope that you take heart knowing um, that Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him, held on to his faith so dearly that it held him together in his lowest moments after he lost the two people he probably loved the most. Um, and that by holding on to faith, that a breakthrough could be on its way. Um, it, yeah, it could be the darkest before the dawn. And, uh, and that, um, was, uh, that was critical in his story. Number two, um, the night journey for Muhammad was uh, empowering, um, realigning, resetting. It was reassuring. And for those reasons, um, it gave Muhammad the fuel he needed to meet the moment <clears throat> in his life and to take his community to the next chapter. In this moment, I see, if you allow me the metaphor or the, or the parallel, I see this COVID-19 quarantine as a way, as an opportunity for us to have our own mystical night journey. Um, for Muhammad, peace be upon him, this was, it was a time that was reassuring, it was resetting, it was empowering. This time to ourselves with our families, when we are forced to get creative, um, can also be a time that helps to reset us, realign us, empower us, and help us be stronger um, moving forward uh, as individuals, as a community, um, and also societies at large. Um, our, our world needs some resetting, I think, I think we've all agreed. So um, that's number two. And then finally, number three is um, stay focused on what you know to be true and what is in your control. Focus on the big picture, just like Prophet Muhammad did, peace be upon him, um, and be fueled by the big picture. Don't get lost in the details or in the petty or in the moment-to-moment -moment distractions or frustrations. Um, and I say these things reminding myself first and foremost because um, qu <laughs> quarantine has tested me, and I'm sure it's tested many of you. Um, so, uh, so those are my reflections. Now what? Um, I uh, beg you to continue to stay home and stay healthy. Um, and uh, in thinking about Prophet Muhammad's journey, peace be upon him, I invite you to think about your own journey. And you are now forced to be in a resting point and a pause in your journey. Um, and this provides an opportunity to see the big picture. And I hope that you take the opportunity to find your own big picture and to tap into the big picture with action. Um, we are in the lead up to a very different Ramadan than we've probably ever experienced before. Um, inshallah, we will be able to gather in the masjid um, 
and maybe we won't. Uh, and so I, while I suspended my um, my Sira class or my class about Muhammad, the class is called Muhammad, Prophet Muhammad, A Life of Light. Um, I'm going to start the class again because uh, the quarantine has been extended and there's no reason to delay. So here is my announcement, if you stayed tuned for the announcement, which is that um, we, um, we, I did the first two weeks already. I'm going to restart the whole series online and teach it as an online class through Zoom. Um, and uh, it will be um, held on Sunday mornings from 10.30 to 12 o'clock on Zoom. Sunday mornings, 10.30 to 12 o'clock on Zoom. And if you would like to sign up for the class, uh, please email the Islamic Center. Email info at islamiccenter.com. Info at islamiccenter.com. Um, and just put a, a Sira class or Muhammad class or Prophet class in the subject line and uh, your name and email address uh, and phone number so I can send you the details of the login information. Um, and our first class will be next, uh, not tomorrow, next uh, Sunday. And that's again, Sunday at 1030 to 12. And this will be offered as a class of the Islamic Center of Southern California. Um, it will be a, a seven session class. Uh, and that means that we will continue into the beginning of Ramadan. Um, so I'm looking forward to it because I have been yearning for a deeper relationship with Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him. And uh, there's only one way I know how to do it, which is approaching his story as the story of a real person, because he was with peaks and valleys, joys and sorrows, dreams and doubts, and um, and lots of questions. So I hope that you will join me um, for what we are, are trying to create as a safe spiritual space to explore. Um, may Allah bless you all and give you strength. And I'm going to turn it back over to Sheikh Awesome um, for uh, some additional Quran recitation and a closing du'a. Thank you. Assalamu alaikum. <laughs>